Welcome to the How to Buy and Sell a Business, Business podcast. podcast. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, legal topics we're talking about today is not intended as legal advice for general information purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is being formed by this podcast. We're happy to chat with you. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can find information on our website at www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Buy and Sell Successfully podcast. My name is Sam Foreman and I am joined by... Jacob Wayman with Orange Theory Fitness. Uh, we are excited today to talk to you about buying and selling a business. This is part seven of an eight-part series where we're going to talk about what documents uh, are used in buying or sell, selling a business. Um, our goal here is to help educate, empower, and equip you to have a successful process buying or selling a business, whether it's your first time through or uh, or your 50th time through. We, we hope that there will be some really useful information for you here. We're trying to keep things at a pretty high level in this eight-part series, so as we go forward, from here, we'll hopefully talk about things in a lot more depth in future future episodes. So let's talk about kind of the, the beginning of the process. Jake, why don't you talk about from your experience, uh, what were some of the things that you had to deal with from a documentation standpoint at the very beginning of your of your deal process? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you're starting the process on on buying or selling a business, you know, you, you're starting that conversation process to talk to prospective buyers, prospective sellers, you know, what have you. And, you know, you think, hey, we have a great relationship. We shook hands about this. We can start sharing anything we want. And you know that, and that's not the case. I mean, you really need to protect yourself um, by having a, a confidentiality agreement or and a non-disclosure document that's out there because that protects you and also protects them as well. So you guys can have that open conversation to share, you know, financials, share some pertinent information, sharing whether it be trade secrets, what have you. But you know, that's something that has to be in place because if something goes south in the deal process that you don't end up buying that business or selling that business, this is a protection thing for for yourself and them. And so th this is something that everybody's like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, <clears throat> don't worry about the NDA. Don't work to worry about that. You know, that's something you need to make sure that is signed before any conversations get started because, you know, it's just something that really will protect you in the long run. Yeah. And, and so much of having a successful deal process is about information. It's about making sure you've got the right kind of information yeah. and a good NDA helps to build that trust with people that may not have a good relationship yet um, to feel confident that they can fully share the information, fully have those transparent confirmation, uh, conversations. Um, it, you can run into some sticky issues if you're dealing with a strategic buyer where they want to make sure that they don't have obligations that are going to interfere with their business going forward. So um, keep that on your radar, depending on the type of buyer that you're dealing with, you may have some unique issues um, to deal with. Or if you are the strategic buyer, you really want to be thinking about that stuff. Yeah. And one word of advice, don't pull one of these off of Google and just copy and paste it. <laughs> don't do that. Yes. Make sure you work with your attorney on this to make sure it's, it's, it's in the language that you need it to be written in. And if they hand you one, have your attorney review it too. Yeah, and and we've we've I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Google's a great place to start, terrible place to finish. Um, a lot of good information out there, a lot of bad information there. Um, as uh, the great Michael Scott once said, um, uh, anybody can say anything on the internet, so you know it's true. Um, and if if you don't catch the reference, please watch The Office. It's a great show. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's a good place to start educating yourself, um, and that's and then you know make your conversations with your team um, a lot more productive and efficient. 
um, as a starting place. So um, once you've got your your NDA or confidentiality agreement in place, um, and, and those terms are often used inter- interchangeably, a confidentiality agreement or a non-disclosure agreement, um, in, in especially if you're the seller and you're the one primarily disclosing information, you want to make sure that it not only says you can't disclose it, but that it also says you can't use it. Um, because if somebody can use it internally in their business and they're a strategic buyer, <laughs> you just hand it over the keys uh, without the purchase price. And that's a problem. So, um, But shortly after that, you probably have a due diligence dis, uh, a due diligence request list. And you might have a legal one. You might have an operational one. You might have one from the accountants. And so um, those will often look overwhelmingly large um, for folks that aren't used to doing deals. It's like, hey, why are there 100 items on here? Well, a lot of times there's nothing to, to disclose on there. And you just have to ask the question so that you know the answer is, well, there's nothing there. Um, but a lot of times it'll it'll bring out really, really important information. It'll prompt follow-up conversations. It's, it's really a good place to start the conversation in detail about a business that may have been around for a really long time. If you're buying a business or you're selling a business that's you know, been around for 20 years, 30 years, there's a lot of information potentially to share. And you want to make sure that you that you know what you're getting into or that your deal partner knows what they're getting into so that there are no surprises. I mean, because surprises aren't good. They're just not helpful in the deal process. Well, so. and that's the thing is, is, is you want, don't feel like you're over asking um, because if you don't ask it, you won't get it. And yeah. I think that's, that's, a, that's a good point is, is, you know, they can always put on there, you know, we don't have information on that and that's right. okay. But you're, you're asking for it anyways to understand that because, right. you know, cause the, cause leading into that is, is that's how you get to that letter of intent. I mean, you get yeah. to that letter of intent because you're collecting all the information. So you guys can start having those active discussions on what that letter of intent looks like, what that, what that purchase agreement can look like. And you guys both come to that because you need all the information to, to, to be there, to, to, you know, meet in the middle. Right. And, and sometimes the fact that somebody doesn't have something in response to a request um, will tell you, you know, a lot yeah. as well. Like, and that, that's, I, I don't have financials from yeah. five years ago. Why? Yeah. Well, because our our papers burned down. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and that's I mean, what, it, there's toilet paper went on flames. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The toilet paper went out yeah. in flames. If you missed the toilet paper reference, please go back and listen to episode number, I think five, where we talked at great length about the importance of toilet paper vendors. Yeah. But um, like, kind we of, were really on a roll there. Well, and kind of to your point is like, I have a, uh, <laughs> the, the dad joke, he had, he had our dad, dad joke, joke in for he the had episode. Had a, he had a there. Yeah. We got the dad joke check mark. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and, and kind of, kind of with that is, is you, is there kind of a standard list that, um, you know, anytime <clears> I'm looking at buying a business that I'm asking for, and if that, if that business owner, um, that seller can't provide me the information that I'm looking for, at least have an explanation for it in a unified mm-hmm. fashion or something, that's something that that's, there's something to say about that because right. if like they said, if they don't have financials from five years ago, it's like, okay, well, why? Like, did something happen five years ago that you don't want to talk about or right. something? So, I mean, I think being very, very um, meticulous about the stuff that you're asking for after you sign that NDA or confidentiality agreement and knowing and knowing why you're asking for it. Right. And you always want to try to scale it appropriately to the size of the business that you're yep. buying, the risk that you're taking on yep. everything. You don't want yep. a, you know, thousand item checklist for a hundred thousand dollar business. That's, that's, it's going to kill your deal. But but you also get a sense as you ask those questions for how well has the business been run, which is going to help you get a good sense of 
um, how much reliance can you place on processes and procedures that are in place, but also the information that you're getting out the other side. Um, but you also really quickly be able to gauge how invested the, uh, the seller, for example, is, or the buyer is in the deal process based on how detailed they are in approaching it. And it, it'll be, it, it's not uncommon to have like an initial request list to say like, Hey, here's these 10 items I want to look at first, and then I'll get you the full list. Um, cause it might be like, Hey, I want to see some tax returns. I want to see some, you know, financials. And then I want to see these three key customer agreements just to make sure that, you know, it passes that initial bar. Cause if it doesn't pass that, don't waste people's time and money going through, you know, an exhaustive process. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's something that I have, you know, I know when we don't have to try to find it real quick, the, the list that I typically ask for is, you know, trying to figure out uh, corporate records, operating agreement, mm-hmm. three to five years of financial, um, financials and monthly income statement, balance sheet, mm-hmm. um, looking to the list of suppliers, what are their fixed assets, you know, purchase in the last five years. Um, you know, it's like, it's a really, it's a short, it's not a big list, but it's, it's a short list that they can get to you to say, okay, let's go further with this, mm-hmm. you know? And then, then, cause like, right. that's where I think it's a, you get to that, you know, that, Letter, letter of intent. And then from there, you can start even getting in more in-depth things. Yeah. Yeah. And that letter of intent is really important because at that point, you should know enough about the business. You should know enough about the relationship, the term, the structure mm-hmm. to try to say, okay, we're serious about this. Let's put pen to paper to try to structure out some of these key terms. Um, and then let's sign it and then let's go execute. And let's go spend the real money to make the deal happen. Uh, and more importantly, the real time to make the deal happen. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's really, you know, when you get to that point, there's, there's, understood real level of commitment to making things happen. And so you'll want to be on the lookout as you're, as you're signing an LOI that it really clearly says, here's what's binding and here's what's not. We've seen LOIs that have come through and it's like, it says LOI at the top, but this is not an LOI. <laughs> this is binding. This is a purchase agreement. <laughs> this is what you've signed. And, and that happens, you know, and, and sometimes folks are surprised by that. And, and we don't like to see those surprises because that's not really what people are trying to get at. And um, what they're really trying to get at is, okay, we get to this point. This is close to what we want. And we feel confident that this is where we're headed. And so let's put that down. Um, but your, your document needs to say really clearly, this is binding. This is not this is where we're intending to go, but we've still got stuff to finish because we've got, you know, 80% of the process to finish at that point, just making up numbers. Sometimes it'll be more or less. Then of course you get into, you know, you're, you're more, you'll have ongoing due diligence. And so at that point you may have already completed the the core of due diligence, or you might be providing a, um, a, a more robust detailed due diligence list. Once you get through that, that phase, or at least far enough through that phase to where there's a lot of confidence from folks that this is actually going to happen. Happen, then you'll start seeing people put pen to paper on the asset purchase or the stock purchase agreement. And those are really the core documents that's going to lay out a lot of the key rights and assets that people are buying, all the reps and warranties, um, the indemnities, you know, a lot, a lot of the really core terms um, that folks are going to get into. Then you'll get into, and sometimes this will be rolled into the asset purchase agreement or the stock purchase agreement, but you'll get into the non-compete or the restrictive covenants. Um, agreements. And those are really, really important, especially if you're paying any serious money to folks. Um, Really, really critical that those be structured well and that everybody have a clear understanding of those. And you definitely want to talk about that kind of stuff in the LOI so that, that, you know, know, if that's going to be a key point for folks that it lands real early, real clear up front, this is something that I'm getting. (laughs) You're not going to go take my money and start my competitor across the street. so typically we want to see those include or at least discuss um, whether or not they're going to include 
you know, non-compete, um, uh, whether there's going to be a non-solicitation involved, uh, non-disparagement, definitely confidentiality and non-use. Um, those are those are all the the customary things that are going to be included. As you think through those, you really want to think through who does that cover um, and who's going to be bound by that. It's not just the seller as an entity because that's not going to do you a whole lot of good if the person who really has the knowledge and the relationships in their head is the person you know, at the top of the, you know, the ownership chart. It also isn't going to do you a lot of good if you're going to buy the business and then fire all the employees because you've got your own team and you don't need them. And then the key salesperson who's got all the relationships is not going to be restricted by anything. And they're going to walk across the street and go deal uh, and go to business for um, your competitor. So you want to think about those things up front and understand where's the value, where are the risks, and how do I try to mitigate those um, as good as I reasonably can? Because you're not going to go in and get everybody to sign a non-compete on everything every time. Um, But you at least want to think about it, understand it, figure out how it factors into your deal. Uh, And then sometimes you'll have a lease. Jake, you're really familiar with leases now, so... Yeah. I mean, when we looked at our lease, it was, um, you know, you have to understand that sometimes leases that, that they're in are, are not really negotiable um, because they've maybe signed something that's a 10 year lease. And, you know, and there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things there. So I would just say when, when you're getting the, the lease document is go in it with eyes wide open of what to expect and, you know, what can change with the lease, because there are some fine language in there that can say, Hey, we're going to increase your lease after you know, five years or what have you, and you're already, he's already four years into his lease. And so you're inheriting whatever's that's there. There are ways to, you know, you can go in and, and it's looking to see if, is, is it worth pushing to renegotiate this lease? And, you know, cause you got to look at, at the standpoint of the landlords that you're, that you're going into business with too, because that's an agreement that you're signing is, can I do business with this landlord? And then, um, you know, with the, like I said, again, with the leases, it's, um, going with eyes wide open to know what you're expecting out of that. And, um, it's something that's, uh, that's needed to look over. Um, don't, I know it's another document to investigate, but don't waste time on, like, don't waste, like you need to waste time on it. Does that make sense? Like yeah, go in and spend, you need to spend time on it. That's, yep. you need to spend your time on the yeah. lease. Don't just think, oh, I'm just going to pay rent and move on with it. Understand what you are signing when you get into it. Right. And, and that's where you want to understand the business and you want to know enough about what needs to happen to make the business tick. Um, if you go into it and you know, hey, there need to be a bunch of tenant improvements here yeah. um, in order for this yeah. business to make sense for us. You want to understand what the landlord's obligations yeah. or rights might be under the lease and you want to understand timing, you know, how much lead time is the landlord going to be entitled to, to give consent? Because if you're wanting to close your deal in 30 days at the end of the year and landlord can take, you know, two months um, and and termination provisions, especially if you're the seller. You want to understand those landlord termination provisions yeah. if you're leasing your space. It, I mean, because that's a great point. Because if you have the intention of just moving the business, buying it and moving it, you got to figure out: Can I do that? Can I actually do that? And also, I mean, with the leases, like there's things that have to happen with the landlord that they approve you to take over that that lease too. And so, and you're on their timeline as well. So that's just another piece of the timeline that needs to be happening while right. you're doing all these other things right. too. And and sometimes the landlord will see it as an opportunity to renegotiate part of the lease. Yep. yep. There's a lot of things that can happen there. It's yep. just, it's, it just kind of depends on the, the landlord that you're dealing with with one right. landlord. You've seen one landlord, you've seen one landlord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you want to be cognizant, you know, thinking about when you look at the lease and you, and you're talking through it, whether you're the seller or the buyer, you want to understand what are the moving pieces and how does this fit into the overall deal? Mm-hmm. And, um, then, and this but, is something too on your team. 
is even having a real estate expert too that mm -hmm. you have that you can call yeah. on that you can say hey, take a look at this lease or even if your attorney has right. a real estate attorney on his on their team you know fully leverage that mm -hmm. you know it's it's definitely worth it right right and get a sense of the market um, because if your landlord is in a spot where oh man this is a great opportunity for me to look for how to get out of this lease because I can go get thirty percent more because inflation's gone nuts and the market's really hot and whatever else but you want to know if that's a risk and you want to know how good a relationship you have with the seller or, or how good a relationship the other party has with the seller or excuse me, with the landlord. Um, so that, you know, you've got a good sense of how do we preserve this value? It, assuming that the location is even important. Mm -hmm. You may also get into a scenario where the location is not important. The buyer doesn't want it. Buyer is going to buy the operations and the assets and move it all somewhere else. So they're going to combine it with another, another location. And part of the deal is gee, you know, seller, you're going to have to go figure this out with the landlord. Um, or, you know, the seller may be the landlord. The seller may be retaining ownership of real estate and leasing to you as the buyer. And you want mm -hmm. to understand those terms and, and structure that. Yep. But frequently, if there's any physical um, presence component, you know, be expecting that there's going to be a lease involved and that you'll have to think through some of those issues. And if the lease and the physical location is critical to the value of the business, you got to get on top of that early. That's got to be an early item. It can't be a late game item. Um, because if it falls apart, your deal falls apart and you can't get a refund from uh, your professional team. That's just, unfortunately, it's not how it works. <laughs> um, you mean you, you don't work on credit? Uh, we, we've done that before. We don't, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, I owe you. Uh, I'll just give you an IOU. Oh, yes, yes. We, But uh, for clarity, we only accept IOUs from Jake Wayman, and he, uh, occasionally we accept payment in beer and donuts. So um, <laughs> I'm moving on. Um, you'll get a lot of ancillary documents like assignment agreements, bills of sale. Um, some folks will think of third-party consents as uh, ancillary documents as being less important. Um, third-party consents, though, can be absolutely critical, um, whether it's uh, a governmental entity that's got a consent to assignment of a permit. Um, those are always things to really be on top of. You know, private parties can move typically pretty fast on things if they've got enough motivation. Um, governmental entities do not function the same way. Um, you got to figure out early, do I have permits? Do I have regulatory things? What kind of timeline is that actually going to take? Pandemic's a great example of those timelines can change on, on a dime uh, and, the, and not in a good way. I mean, we had recently something that takes typically with the governmental agency we were dealing with typically like three to four months and it took nine months um and that that stuff happens and you got to be prepared for that and you got to be planning for that um but on third-party consents, you really want to have a good list of that early in the process, not only so you can plan timing, but also so that you can understand what's going to need to go into that so that you get what you need and you know when to ask for it, who to ask for it from, and you develop the right kind of relationships to get it done. Um, disclosure schedules. These are critical for both parties. Um, Jake, I'm sure you remember the disclosure schedules that were part of the, that deal. Um, I can't remember how long they were, but they were, they were long. Pretty, they were pretty long. <laughs> a lot of folks, the first time they see a set of disclosure schedules, they're like, oh my God, there's so much detail here. This is longer than a roll of toilet paper. Um, we're going to keep using that. Double, uh, double ply. We, we may, yeah, double ply. <laughs> and then we, we print in front and back. I, yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, I, I hope you folks have been with us long enough to appreciate the ongoing 
um, toilet paper analogy, but um, <clears throat> the uh, the disclosure schedules are critical. Um, if you're a buyer, it's it's an essential piece of understanding what you're getting. Um, and if you're a seller, it's a really critical risk mitigation tool to be able to say, hey, I told you everything. Um, I don't want to be in a position where I'm guessing or wondering about something. I want to be able to say, you know, I, this is where all the skeletons were. It was on schedule, you know, such and such. Um, uh, so those are really important. It's really important to be very detailed with them to really think about that. Again, you want to think about, you know, right sizing it for the deal. You don't want, you know, 900 page disclosure schedules for, for a small deal, but you do want to make sure that all the important stuff lands there um, and that you think diligently and thoroughly about it. Because once that deal's done, you know, you don't usually get an opportunity to go back and re, re say yeah. like, oh yeah, there was this other thing. I, I, I think you remember this, put it in writing. <laughs> well, this is something too, yeah. that, um, that when I was working with Sam on our deal, it was, it was actually very helpful because he had a, had a, you know, uh, not mm -hmm. necessarily a to-do list, but it was a checkbox of like, mm -hmm. hey, do we have this? Do we mm -hmm. have this? Do we have this? It was all the documents that needed mm -hmm. to be collected in order to make this yep. deal across the finish line. And having that was very, very helpful because I was able to manage which ones do we not have? Which ones do we need to get? Who would I need to go get those from? And making sure you stay very, very organized on these documents because, you know, you, you could be missing one thing that could totally mess up the deal. Yep. And then you're having to backtrack again for a couple months just to start back over. Yep. Yep. No, that's right. Um, You'll frequently have employment or consulting agreements. Again, this is you want to think about where's the value that you're trying to protect, where are the risks you're trying to mitigate, and then do you have the appropriate documents in place to do that? But those might be with key employees. Those might be with, you know, key, um, you know, contractors, or it could just be, or it could be with sellers. Um, and so be thinking about those. And then the last piece um, that I want to hit on is uh, financing documents, um, whether it's with your investors uh, or with a bank or both. Those are obviously really important and you want to make sure that those are getting lined up at the right time. Um, especially if it's with a bank, there's no, <laughs> there's frequently not any negotiation involved. Um, it's more of here's, here's your deal. As my four-year-old says, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Um, <laughs> you just, it is, it is what it is. As, as the great Jose Canseco once said before Congress, it is what it is. Um, a lot of times on bank documents, the bigger the deal, the more the bargaining power of the borrower, um, the, you know, the more likely that they can actually ask for changes, but um, you always want to think through what's what's actually the value of that change going to be in, in that process. So, and if you're going SBA route, there's really no negotiating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have a whole podcast or a series of podcasts sometimes on this on sometime on SBA requirements. There's there's a lot of them. Um, they can be navigated well um, if folks go into them knowing what they're doing. But um, particularly if you've got an SBA deal on a timeline, you really want to know what those are. And you really want to make sure that both parties understand what they are because um, asking for the wrong thing, especially at the wrong time, can really, really, <laughs> really muck that up. So, um, And I did say muck for those who are wondering, M, letter M, uh, brought to you by the letter M. Thank you, Sesame Street. Um, so with that, we're going to... We're going to bring a wrap to this before it gets any further off the rails. Thank you for joining us for episode seven of eight um, of our overview series where we talked about what are the documents that are going to be used in buying or selling a business. Um, really appreciate you joining us. We hope that you have um, gotten some, you know, we, we really hope that you we have achieved our goal of helping empower, educate, 
um, and equip you to have a more successful experience buying or selling a business or transitioning to um, the next generation of ownership. Really appreciate you joining us. Hope that you have a wonderful day and have a very successful deal.